This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all expenses paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current front runner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10 for you and up to three of your friends. And you could watch or listen to fine dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy, Johnny G, from the South Shore of Nassau County, Long Island, standing six foot two. 299 pounds. That's right. As of this morning, he was below 300 pounds. Trying to stick with it. It's John Gabris. All you got to do is trust me. Jackson, Maine, I've been meaning to find a replacement for you. Abortion is health care. We'll never find a replacement for that. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. Arthur is currently resting on the couch because he was up all night shitting all over my apartment. And I was up all night cleaning it up, being a dog dad. Rules! Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios. You know him. You love him. He was my comedy guru. You know him from the Improv for Humans podcast. He's been on here three times, returning for the fourth. It's Whooping Suey himself, Matt Besser. Yeah, I picture uh, less hardy individuals not being just having a heart attack with your intro, like not <laughs> expecting that monster. <laughs> It it's is no, fun. it's no ramp up. It just, it just comes. It's fun when blast. I have someone that like a publicist reached out to me to have on, like someone who I have no connection to, and I'm just like, and I know they haven't listened to my podcast and right. prep. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna do a little like, intro here, and then every time I do, like, <laughs> and they wonder if they, you're gonna be screaming the whole fucking time <laughs> like you're commanding a speedboat tour. That'd be so awesome if I kept that volume up the whole time and that intensity up the whole time. All right, so we're you say children. you know how to bake with sunflower seeds? <laughs> <laughs> I used to, when I was coming up in improv, I used to love group games that I could pretend were out of factory so I could just have like that weird high volume. Like, all right. You know, I just always thought that was such a funny thing to be like talking over noise. <laughs> Without yelling, just to sort of like, all right, and if you'll follow me, you can see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, best. I'm, I'm a very loud individual, and that plays into our topic today. So maybe I should just let you. <laughs> let's get ripping. Yeah, let's let's Whoa, just get me? into it. I'm sure we'll find tangents in here. Okay. So let's just get cracking. Let's crack it. Um. So you wanted. To- 
anytime I have you on, you I feel like you're uh, ready to work through something specific. You're always like, here's the topic. And I'm like, okay, let's let's. And today, what, what do other guests do? Do you give it to them? No, we kind of like, and it's usually something that they're like, I mean, we're buds. Like usually someone's like, I'll talk about swimming. Like yours are always like, right. We was like fighting, <laughs> arguing. Like it's like, cold cocks. <laughs> I think it was like pranks. Yeah. Cold cocks. <laughs> I forgot what the third was. Cold cocks part two. Um, but you want to talk children's sports. Now I am <laughs> nice childless, term. but I came up playing a lot of children's sports. I have nephews that play a lot of sports now. And I think children's sports has changed in so many ways, Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously, as it should have based on what my childhood was like. But uh, (laughs) curious, I'm I'm, I'm assuming I know Sid plays uh, basketball. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm assuming you've been witness to a lot of children's sports in the last few years of your life. Yeah, I don't even know. Where we should we should start with this. There's so much to say, but yeah, Sydney, my 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 daughter, plays basketball a lot, and she plays soccer uh, every fall. Um, but mainly those two team sports. I played soccer growing up, almost because not even almost because because I wasn't big enough and athletic enough to even attempt to play football. And I played basketball up to the ninth grade when I just simply was not athletic enough to play. Were you, ta- were you every- tall early? I was tall, but I was also super skinny. And there were other people just as tall with more muscles so, and more <laughs> ability. And I was just playground basketball. I never had the way the way kids have fundamental classes these days, like it's, <laughs> it's a whole different world. But um, anyway, I wasn't good enough at all to play basketball or football and soccer was kind of just starting in little rock in Arkansas and really in what would that be? Uh, 1970s, mid to late seventies. It was kind of becoming a fad and being introduced well, it's kind like, of proliferating through all, like, as a kid sport for everybody at that point. It felt like. Yeah, I, I guess so. I always I, felt in like the early the coast... 80s, everyone played soccer. Like, uh, no matter, because I, I, I think it is because it's like, it's one ball and very minimal rules. So, like, you can yes. have five-year-olds play it. You can yes. have four, you know, like, so I think it, it, it and it, you can have, it's easy, like, to, like, the. The rules are simple enough for kids. Like, get the ball over there. I feel like it. it, it that, that's and, a very important point, too, John. And it, 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 everything I may say today can come back to. Isn't it interesting how easy soccer is? And um, what, what, what? When you said, "What do you want to talk about?" The thing that's fascinated me for the last few years, I, I've coached her basketball team is and i've i've coached her soccer a little bit and i've assistant coached her soccer a little bit and the difference between the way girls are treated in sports and the way boys are treated in sports has been what has fascinated me and like i've never had of course why would i until i had a daughter why would i have that perspective at all i was just a boy in sports in the south so I in just in the 70s and 80s, yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. which is just football. And if I can't play football, basketball. <laughs> I 
I mean, that's football. And still, it's kind of like that. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that either. It's like, if that's what makes people passionate, fucking go for it. But I've just been the disparity between how people treat girls in sports and uh, boys is fascinating to me. And the one team sport that girls get into early is soccer and boys too. But I've, I've had Sydney in uh, baseball, uh, soccer, swimming, gymnastics. I mean, we've, we've had her in all of them and soccer is the one that, like you say, it's, it just seems easy. It doesn't seem like you got to figure out much. Right. It's like on paper. It's one of those games that's like on paper, simple, like, but you know, there's so much can go into it, but it's like, you can have a general under like some of these other sports. If you play one position, you have might not have any idea how to play another, like in soccer, (laughs) there's like some crossover there. There's some some, soccer. You can play around. You can shoot around. You can like play, you know, you can play with three on three. Like there's can also be totally fucking lost out on the field and be what I call butterfly. We're just kind of just out there (laughs) just kind (laughs) of flying around. You're not really affecting the game at all, which I think is people won't notice. I think that's part of its popularity amongst young people too. Cause it's like some kids just, I feel like need that for a couple of years that are shy or timid yes. or not, not really into soccer, but getting the, the non playing part of team sports is probably right. important for, I, yes, I, for I sure. believe team sports is important for like development, but that is speak so on specific. that. Speak on that. I don't know. It's just one of those things that you have to learn to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. That's not like necessarily about you. And there's like yes. a greater goal. So like that is something that I feel like and this is me just on old man, uh, old man horse here. I feel like some younger generations. I'm just like, didn't you like struggle to to try to start on a team ever? Like what? Like th- I also think like team sports at a higher level. And I'm I'm not saying it should be sh- restrictive in any way, but at a higher level. It teaches you about meritocracy a little bit as well, where you're like, yes. well, that guy's just better than me. <laughs> like I, yes. like I, I, he gets to play because I, he's better than me and I yes. can try and go get better or I can play something different or I could eventually play in like a less competitive league or you know, hold could- on. What you're saying right now can also apply to solo sports, though, too. But but what you're saying right. er- earlier is that. If you don't mind, go back to because I totally agree with what you say. And like Sydney, at first when she was really young, like so many girls, like start with dance, and she was hilariously terrible at it, <laughs> hilariously terrible at gymnastics, and didn't really love it. Just did it because other girls did it, right? And I, and that's know. a great, by the way, that that I commend that attitude and that ability in young people. I had that too, where I just tried every sport. Someone's like, "We're yeah, doing roller hockey," like, and it's like, "You should." You should, you should. Like, and I think I, ch- I, I think. And I'm how would about- you know otherwise what you're good at? Right, and what you like, whether you're good at it or not, yes. you can suck at roller hockey. But if you absolutely fucking love it, you yes. can play it for thirty years. You know. Yes. Uh, yes. And so I think team sports teaches you how to be part of a team, how right. to understand, and like how to process emotions in a group, even in a way too. Like, uh, because it's weird that you're on, and it gives you. It might be a easy like a. It's a soft step in a barrier of being shy that you have to like begin to talk to your teammates. You have to engage with them in some way. 
it uh people count on you and that's like something that like is i think a good thing to learn when you're young of like i i actually need to do this because they need me to do this like other people are counting on me being at the game so i can't blow it off because i'm cranky today like and i'm counting on other people and i need them to land like i i just think that it teaches you a lot of dynamics that maybe in adulthood go, uh, would be important to keep going on, but seem to go away at some point too, where it all becomes about like the boss or the best in the best in show or whatever. I just think team sports at a young age, and I played team sports into my thirties. I, you know, I played club rugby in Manhattan and I still play uh, in, in semi-competitive uh, events of all, of all different sorts. Now I play more solo sports like races and shit like that. But I've felt, I felt my whole life that like one of my strong suits is like my ability to like mesh with people and engage with anyone about anything. And I think that comes from team sports. I mean, is there, I, I, one, is there one element you haven't said yet, or maybe you said it in a different way, but it's what we talk about in improv and sketch groups too. Like you can be a group of eight really talented improvisers, but not, work as a team you can even get on stage and be funny individually and get laughs from the audience but not get the extra of what a team of like believing that you know what if i can just give in and believe that other people have good ideas too and not that i'll have the best idea even if i think i'm the funniest person in this theater if I, i i still can believe Believe in the force. Believe behind yourself. Bro, you're preaching. There's something. Yeah, I'm in agreement there because I also, whenever I step on stage, do believe I'm the funniest, if not one of the, I'm in the top couple. Except for when I'm there, sure. Yeah, except for when I'm best there, I'm like, shit, I got bumped down. I got, I checked the cast list outside like Rudy. (laughs) I go down my finger. I'm like, fuck, number two today. Okay, I guess I'm playing fullback. Oh, no. shit. Bill Burr's here. <laughs> oh, no. He's not great at improv, but goddamn, the dude's funny. <laughs> he hates uh, the Harold opening. <laughs> really low ranking on the improv, but high ranking on the funny. But I have what? that attitude, but I also know that a good show and what I want to get out of the show is from everybody. You know, like for the audience, for me, for my teammates, that's always more enriching. It's just a yeah. better show overall. I can do solo stuff if I really need to and want to. But that's and not I'm what I'm more delighted. I have that skip in my step. And I, that's metaphorically, but with my daughter, it's real. It is a literal skip in her step when I see her give an assist in basketball to someone. And like it took me a while to like ingrain that of like passing to the person that scores is just as cool or more cool. Check out these Sue Bird videos. Yeah. Uh, That's just as cool. And that's being a teammate. And that's who people want to play with is a point guard. I tried to explain to her what a point guard was. And it's like, they pass the ball. They, They set up the offense for the whole team. They make the team work together. They're not just that. And, that's not how youth sports plays, John, and you know that. No, I know it's that. It's like the best kid takes the fucking ball. And it's usually goes. not even the best kid. I mean, the, it is the best kid, but it's 
frequently, at least when I was growing up, it was the kid who just developed a little earlier than other people. Just the bigger so, kid. So he wasn't necessarily talented, but like the best kid on our soccer team just happened to have chest hair. You know, like he just was like, he had more of a man's body and physical capabilities than the rest of us. And we're like, Dave is like the best. I'm like, I don't know. Like these two guys are like skills better than yeah, Dave, but yeah, Dave yeah. can run and could do like a hundred pushups. <laughs> so That's so <laughs> funny. When you say it like that, I think back to my soccer team in high school and I'm like, you know what? That's true. The guy that was considered the best on our team and scored at least half our goals had a man's body was super fucking fast was also on the track team and super fast yeah and strong could jump had could kick the ball a mile did not have great wasn't like a guy you're like oh he, he could amazing dribbler like, yeah there were three or four other guys much better at that but this guy was way more athletic than everyone in the field that's what's cool about like when you get to like college and pro sports where people are like they develop in their senior year of college and now, you know, or like guys like Tony Gonzalez who played basketball and then become like the number one tight end. And like, I love, I love shit like that because you do, everyone develops at a different rate. And in kids sports, it's like, uh, it's more obvious than ever before. You know, like we, you got 12 year olds out there. You could have a 12 year old with a mustache and a 12 year old. That's like four <laughs> foot nine. Like those are two possibilities in a 12 year old. Like, and that's, an intense that's an intense experience for the four foot nine like i was fat but i wasn't really developed i was a big kid i played offensive line but i didn't grow to six foot two until my freshman year of college like the summer mm -hmm. in between so after i was done playing high school high school sports i got like a three inch growth spurt i went from like five ten or five eleven to over six feet tall and that kind of like evened me out made me a little bit more of a jock rather than just like a little boy with b cups and I'm like, fuck. And then I I luckily, and now this will get back to kids team sports, but when I joined, I joined rugby freshman year of college. And this was really exciting and almost an interesting like control experiment. Cause I had I've now developed, I spent my summer in between senior and freshman year lifeguarding and lifting weights. So I was just like running and lifting weights and swimming all the time. Then I go to freshman year, join the sport of rugby where Everyone who's playing it as a freshman is playing it for the first time in their life. Everyone who's a sophomore, it's only their second year of playing rugby if they didn't just. So, like, all of a sudden, we're all, none of us have, like, no, only one guy on our team had played previously, but he was in the army. So he was like 27. And since it was a club sport, you can be like, and so our captain was like a 25 year old former army ranger who had played before, but everyone else was like ex lacrosse kids, ex football kids who were like just looking to keep playing sports that didn't sure. have. NCAA regulations, dr aka drug testing, and uh, all of a sudden I'm like, it's uh, we're all at zero. No one has, no one's parents had a rugby pitch in their backyard, and they got to like, no one got special coaching. No one, no one was on the travel team and uh, tried to play on the high school. We were all just, and all of a sudden I was absolutely. I started playing uh, every game my freshman year and played all eight semesters every single, you know, um, unless I was hurt, I started every game and I was just like, holy shit, this, and it was the first time. And then with hindsight, I only got that advantage because I was that superpower. I was telling you about willing to go like rugby looks fun. I'll go out and try that. And then I ended up finding something I truly love and I stuck with forever. But that, 
that development shit is where it changes. It's like all of a sudden it's like there's just a girl who's five inches taller than the other girls. And it's like she's the best at basketball. Get it to her. And it's like she might burn out. She might hate basketball. She might just be here for two years. You don't know that. Like, so I feel like well, once teams- you get to about Sydney's age or Sydney's age, that that stops, too, because the kids with fundamentals and that are treating it seriously will that tall that tall girl will find a different league or yeah she better catch up but that well that going back to what you said about higher level i'm interested in in when you think higher level starts and you mentioned travel teams and uh and even in the soccer league like right now she's in a so she's 10 and she's in a rec league ayso which is a famous soccer rec league and uh famous because it's big but it's like right. that's one where anyone can do it no yeah we had we had pal soccer police athletic league in new york on long island which was kind of like the same thing they just uh everyone who signed up they were just like all right you're on this team you're on this team you're on the, and that's your team for the season you play against each other so then, the, the coaches I, draft in her league <laughs> and they all and they're all super intense about it and have been there for years so they know all the girls so they're pretty well versed in who they're drafting and there's already there's, taking it too seriously in my but I guess that helps keep it I, I don't know let's equal. talk let's talk about let me let me set it up so yeah sorry there's one there's like one travel what I call travel team girl on every team right or maybe two but rarely more than that and usually as is the case with Sid's team, they score all the fucking goals. And the team doesn't really have a problem with that. And the team's kind of into that. And the girl on our team doesn't even show up to practice because she's at her travel team practice. (laughs) And she plays, like, some of the girls only play three quarters. She plays all four quarters. So it's like the parents are in, like, she can show up late, you know. Oh, there she is. So it's weird. And I guess I don't have a problem with it either. Because it, it keeps the team competitive. And without her, I know some of these games they would have gotten decimated without her there. So they needed her for parity's sake, right? Right. And and to not break their spirits about the sport, too. Getting demolished yes. week in and week out. But the flip side is if like she's dominating, like I'm like, why doesn't she ever take corner kicks? She's the only girl who can make it all the way to the goal. And I asked Sid that. I'm like... She knows she's the only one. Why doesn't she ever take him? And she and so goes. Oh, she says she wants to score. That's why she says. She just says to all whoever's taking the corner kick. She just goes, kick it to me. Like she's so dominating. Oh, that's like with crazy. the team. Like, okay, throw it into me, and then I'll score, and then I'll kick. Like she's not even pretending. Like this is a team sport. We're all working together. It's like I'm gonna go shoot and you know get my sloppy yeah. seconds if you can. See, now I don't know where I fall on this because I know, I think if I'm outside, I think I could, if I'm being fully objective, Yes. I think it's, you you want it to be, you want everyone to get playing time. But the draft thing makes sense to me a little bit now because then it's like, if you get accidentally by random, get four travel team kids on one team, that team just destroys the league and it's like, not as fun. I've been in that kind of league in basketball and it, it destroys kids' spirits. Yeah, they get beat thirty to zero in a basketball game. They don't want to play anymore. It makes sense. I don't know how I feel about like if I feel like coach. If I was the coach or I had the coach's ear, I'd be like, "Hey, like, let's 
get it around. You know, like we're still only ten. You know what I mean? Like I you think- know what I think they would say because that's how I coach. When I coach, I don't coach the soccer team. But I coach the basketball team. And if a kid was doing that on my team, I'd say, "Pass the ball, man. You got to get out there and pass the ball." There's no doubt what Coach Matt thinks about right. that. But the soccer league has a little different spirit and it goes towards what I was saying earlier about how girls and boys get treated differently because I'm coaching a co-ed basketball team. And they're like, I think he would say, if you said that as the parent to him, my coach, who's actually a pretty good guy, and most of the coaches with the philosophy would say, I'm letting them make their own decisions. Ooh. Yeah, (laughs) I I mean, shit, that is hard to, but like, I get that. But there is an element now, and I'm not a parent, but there is an element to like, we don't have to let 10 year olds make all their own decisions. Like, Well, that's the flip side, John. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying not to lead you because I'm on a, I was on a travel team uh, where I, uh, where I say I was because that was the one where I was not a coach. I was only a parent on that because they have real fucking intense coaches. And Sid was with older girls. She was the youngest girl. They never let her do certain things. And the coach would see that happening. And he, for sure, his philosophy outright was they control themselves. And and I was like, are you ever going to assign who's the point guard and who's the forward? And he's like, the, they'll figure that out. <laughs> and he well, that's usually, not how it, it works at any, like once you get like at higher I levels, know, that's and not that's how what it I works, said to confusing. the other parents and they would kind of argue with me and go and look at me like I was against the process. Like you got to believe in the Trust process. The process. <laughs> and they <laughs> are, they are John. Yeah. And, the, and they say, Hey, you know, we're not coaches. We're not experts. We don't know. You just got to let them. And it's just the biggest and most alpha of the girls just controls things is how it happens. Right. And to be fair, that is a good learning experience because that will be sort That's of life. life a little bit in, in a way. But you want... Where does that start? So that goes back to my question. What age... And you said higher levels. That's what we're talking about. At yeah. what point do you... See, and do here's children my... become teens Young adults or, or, or whatever, or, yeah. Or, or, or when... I I took a a class in college called Sports and Society, Professor Alan Gutman, and uh, he he was very inspiring. He also taught uh, Jewish American authors, so two of my favorite courses. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) But he he's kind of the expert on the difference between game, play, and sport. And like we would talk and he would talk about this is what game is and this is what it means to play. And those are all three different things. Like uh, play is just game is like organized play. And and then sports is putting competitive rules on game. And then after that, we'd have to bring him here. And I almost I almost emailed him today. I was going to be on your podcast, but. I had the same anxiety I had back in college if I'm going to ask a stupid question and he's right. going to say he doesn't understand what my question is. Right. What are you asking me here? And you're just like, fuck, delete. Uh, my yeah, email address. I, was, I had my fucking freshman anxiety <laughs> in college again. I'm going to ask a dumb I question. I forgot to do the paper, Professor Gutman. Uh, but I pretty well, much wanted to ask him like when, because 
and they kind of in soccer in a lot of these leagues have different philosophies of, well, we don't even keep score at this age. And now we're keeping score, but if they're up by 20, we turn off the scoreboard. Or now, or we are keeping score, but we're not following certain rules. Like in, like in uh, basketball in the rec league, they'll let these kids travel. But in the travel team league, there's no fucking way you can travel. And it's the same age. It's the exact same age. Interesting. I, and I, I guess my answer to that would be, I don't know if there's an age cutoff where it, the shift happens. I feel like that's the design of the, the I want to say curric- curriculum, but I guess I mean like sports program, like the soccer yeah, program. At, sure. uh, it is. At, and there's different flavors out there. Right. And so that's why I'm curious because like, I feel like up to a certain age, we should just be pushing like a, everyone's Do learning, everything. everyone's having fun. Like, yeah, not there's not just one goalie. Like, we we got to rotate in at goalie. Like, everyone should well, just check get- it out. That's literally a rule in AYSO that what is she in? She's in 12 and under now. She was in 10 under last year. You could not have a goalie and goal more than one quarter. This year, you can uh, only have them two quarters, and people start to do it too. They they take advantage of that, and then the next age group, there are kids who are just goalies. Yeah, that was me I, on my travel team. I played the goalie. I mean, I would sometimes end up playing D or something like that too, but I played goalie for the Belmore Black Sharks for like four years or whatever. And when uh, does this is when my fascination started back in soccer a few years ago. I was standing on a sideline in between two games, and they were the same age group. Um, but literally to my back, you know, five feet behind me was the boys' field of 10 and under. So you could hear their parents and their coaches, and their huddle was right next to our huddle every time they had a timeout. So I could hear their coaches and their huddle and their parents. I could hear the whole vibe of their sidelines. <laughs> And ours had this really, what I would call a quiet, a quiet, fragile vibe on the sidelines. And, and whereas the boys coach is like, guys, you're not playing defense out there. You can't just stand in one spot. And I'm not, I'm just trying to get the tone of the guy too. He's not going, God damn it. But he's also not going, guys let's go out there and if you can play defense a little harder so yeah. there's different tones it's not to just volume it. though it's a little bit of it's, like it's attitude. you're understanding i'm commanding here a little he's like being yeah yeah commanding. like guys come on i've told you and there's all i can give the same note in 10 different tones and and at one tone you go okay that's too much now you sound like you're angry and this is yeah. just a game with kids but then in another tone but Another time you're like these kids aren't listening. They need it's like a teacher. Yeah, and he's on Monday. The, the teacher's going to have the same right. same tone. Settle like, down, yeah. Settle down, being, guys. Yeah. You're not listening to me teach math. You're not going to have a problem with that. So sometimes the coach has to and doesn't have to be angry, but it can be louder or or it can be what would be called negative. You're not playing defense well. I can say that in a quiet. Yeah. Guys, you're out there and you're not playing defense well. Uh we're behind by one point and you guys want to win the game. We got to play defense better. 
And then on the opposite, the other sideline, they go, you know what? That's negative. Don't say that. Let the girls make their own decisions. Right. I'd be like, well, what age are we going to explain to them that they can't yeah. kick the ball from a goal kick into the penalty box? They got to clear it to the <laughs> sidelines. At some point, you have to explain that to them. So, yeah. Oh yeah, AG1. Oh man, I am recording this ad first thing in the morning. So sorry, I'm going to stop doing my Macho Man impression. Um, look, listeners, you know I'm a fan of AG1. You've been on the podcast. You've been listening. I've been talking about them on the podcast for a year, and I've been consuming AG1 for more than a year. Um, I started doing it every single day, and I felt the real difference in how my day was kicked off. Uh, you know, I it. And I don't know if it's psychosomatic or it's at, you know, it doesn't even matter if it is psychosomatic, then it that's good. Results are results. And it's since AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2020, AG1 has been the lead of the future of foundational nutrition. Uh, tweaking their formula to create smarter, better way. I, I tell everyone... To my, you know, I got my brother on AG1. I gave him, he, he used my promo code and everything. I got people taking AG1 because uh, I like, I'm constantly talking about it. And I'm going to just talk to you about the same thing. Um, I, I can't take pills in the morning. It makes me nauseous. And I don't want to eat breakfast first thing in the morning. But it's pretty easy to smash down a AG1 bev with prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, uh, adaptogens, vitamin C, zinc, all this stuff that you need and getting it smashed down first thing in the morning. Um, I'm, it doesn't, it tastes good. It goes down easy. I have it before my coffee and um, it's just a good way. I like to take that first healthy step. Now, I'm up first thing in the morning uh, and I'm popping my AG1. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. So try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash mighty. That's drinkag1.com slash mighty. Check it out. It's interesting. Also, we're getting into like the territory about like gender kids sports too, which is like I'm assuming, especially as we learn more and more and uh, about gender and all that. Uh, I'm assuming it's on that that's bound to change because I like the idea when you said that there's a co-ed basketball team. I think okay. at 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 a certain at young ages, I feel like that is probably helpful for everyone to just be around. Why? Why is that good for a girl? I don't know. I agree with you, but tell me why. Why I think so is because if it's just all boys or just all girls, they certain behavior or certain attitude. Like I feel like real life, if you're playing soccer with all boys, you got to go to class with boys and girls. Then you got to go to work eventually with boys and girls. Let me let you know what the numbers are out there. So in soccer, there are baseball. I'm just talking team sports. There's enough kids doing it that you can have an all-girl softball league pretty young. And you can have all-girl soccer for sure young at five. 
right. and have and have in Sydney's league easily 12 teams to 24 teams and that's just like Glendale it's not even like Pasadena next door so that's that's a lot of fucking teams right. just all girls in basketball in a basketball rec league guess how many uh all girl teams you can get oh i don't know just guess four two if you're lucky to play each other every weekend oh man <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a little frustrating. Now why now now you tell me why. And I'll tell you the other sport out there that's in between the two is volleyball. And if you if you watch the numbers, that's the sport that as they get older and towards high school and they get sick of soccer, that's the team sport they go to is volleyball. From what I've read. I don't But yeah, I not feel basketball. Like- so why and Sid has played co ed basketball, what you're talking about, but it's always one girl, dude. Just one girl and nine boys oh, on a ten-person team. Every nineteen nineties improv rules, <laughs> like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> but I feel like that was when I was a kid. It was one girl in every team in the seventies. It's this in the eighties. That's the same fucking right in basketball. So why is that? And I know a couple of reasons why, but why? Why do you think? I don't know. Is our I mean, maybe I would assume that might be on the change with like the proliferation of the WNBA a little bit, like if that's gaining popularity, because there's just not that visual of like of women playing basketball either, you know, like in media or in, you know, like women's soccer has been a thing since I was, you know, what I mean, we had Mia Hamm when I was a kid, like that, like that was always like uh, and, and U.S. women's were, were always good. And I feel like. Is it because I feel like in my head and, and maybe this that was, would make sense if baseball was because with soccer that plays out the logic you just said soccer right. versus WNBA right but you've never you can't name one professional uh, softball player can you no I, I know if there is such no. a thing and there for sure are more softball teams at the age Sydney's at right now uh, um but uh, it, it's it's well, one thing about baseball, and we've already talked about this, it's just easier to do soccer and not be good at it up till a certain age. Right. Baseball is like but a little- But not basketball. When you suck at basketball yeah, and you're out there on the court, it's so You're one of five obvious. rather than one of 11. Yeah, uh, and it can fuck up the game. It, it, it's more embarrassing. I, I sucked at more- baseball, and I, I remember just being out there and going, oh, my God, I just fucking suck, and I'm embarrassing myself. Baseball's baseball's really specific because it has that solo element where you're up there alone, and <laughs> and it's like there's no blaming anyone if you strike out. Like It's not like, well, you know, th- um, yeah, do you know you, my baseball yeah. nickname, my my dad and like the other player, they called me Sony because I was the Walkman because I never swung. Like I was so afraid to like I was so afraid to strike out that kids couldn't pitch that well. So I would just bet on walks all the time. I would just kind of stand there with my bat and never fucking swing. <laughs> then they would put me in right field and I would never fucking catch anything. It was like so humbling. I hated I hated baseball, but it was like a thing that in my age or maybe in the 90s or maybe it's Long Island, but it was like you played soccer and baseball up until you chose to start playing yeah. football. Yeah. Yeah. You played baseball first when. Yes. In my day. Played T-ball. And I, we yes. T-ball. And I was so bad at it that I, I'm i glad I didn't stop playing sports because like I, I have I have very vivid memories 
my two memories are both I think I would take wild swings and I think my my two big memories on offense is I hit the ball. I just luckily, you know how there's no outfield and it just keeps rolling into the yeah, next yeah. field. <laughs> Hits the it's second not, basement and on another game. There's an incline yeah. and there's a fucking <laughs> hill. I, I, I'm well aware. Four baseball diamonds all facing each other. Just yeah. no one praying a kid hits a dinger and kills a fucking outfielder in <laughs> the other team. <laughs> Goes into a... A flower pot and a fucking raccoon comes out with the fucking baseball on its head. <laughs> so one time I did that and I was rounding the bases, first base, second base. And I, I'd, I'd been to first base rarely, never a double. So I'm rounding second, third base. It's still out in the fucking outfield. I'm coming into home. My coach is not believing in me. And he's telling me to stick or he's saying some baseball term like stick on third or slide. Or, and I don't know what the fuck he's saying. And, I, and I'm and i just looking at, he's yelling. He must be yelling Klingon at me. I have no <laughs> idea what he's talking about. And I'm rounding third. I'm almost to home, dude. And the ball's still nowhere near. My team's yelling, trying to explain to me what I should be doing. He's saying stay at third. Everyone's screaming at me. Instead of doing a fucking home run, I'm all almost there. I run back to third. <laughs> because you're and just like the- not fully confident in what you're supposed to be doing. And- I have no idea what's going on. So everyone, I think it's awesome. And all of a sudden, everyone's screaming at me and mad. And then that same team, because I quit after this year. I, I, like you said, right field. I got uh, hit to, and I put my glove up. I feel like I've told you this story. And I caught I caught the ball, and I wasn't aware that I caught the ball. Like, it just kind of went shunk. And then I just, like a kid, put my glove to my side, and I thought I'd missed it. So I'm looking at my feet, looking for the <laughs> ball, but it's in my glove. Bro, and- I straight up had the same thing happen to me. Not, I just and- closed my eyes turned my head and put my hand up and I felt the ball hit my mitt and my dad like my family was blown away that I I've, I never had made a play before I was like a, I think I was a little afraid of the ball and I wasn't great yet I, and I wasn't like athletic at this point so I wouldn't even like move for it but, but I didn't get the time, concept you could tag up and then run and so I think like it and when I finally went oh it's in my hand and I think I'm a hero everyone is again angry and screaming at me <laughs> One time I I was up at bat, bases loaded, my team was down or we were tied, something like that. And I it was like the end of the game and my dad's like my dad rarely ever can make it to these things because they were on weekends or after school when he would be working and he was just like good luck out there Johnny or whatever and I got fucking creamed in the shoulder with the ball and the team like but it brought in like the runner and everyone was like yeah and i was like oh that i did something good just by getting (laughs) i was in so much pain but i was just like i I was like yay people like me i'm a human wall they're all cheering for me the walk man (laughs) so back to what you're saying about rejection and that is a bit losing learn to lose be a good loser and that back to what my professor says, that's the difference between play. There's no loser in play. Yeah. 
So then game, it's like, well, there's going to be there's going to be a loser day in sport. Now there's going to be a loser. We're going to keep track of it. And there's going to be standings right. yeah. and a score and stats and very, very specific rules that people get angry at. Yeah. Um, so we, and the way they, the way they treat it. So I feel you treat just like improvisers. Again, you treat people at whatever level they fucking are and you try to make them better. So if I have a kid on my team who's never played, my goal for the season is let's have this kid score. Right. And if there's a kid who's awesome and on a travel team, let's teach him how to do a pick and roll. Like I, I can. There's there's not so many kids. We can't have different goals. But you'll have some parents. That, that, so that this is what I've come up against. We're like. I've been on teams where we lose almost every game and teams where we win almost every game. So I've been on both sides of this, but like our second to last team, Sid's team won almost every game. And it was an almost all girls team in a co-ed league. Cause I had finagled it that way and they all passed to each other. And that's why they would always win. And all these other teams would have boys who were really good, but they didn't pass and they would shoot from three points all the time. It's just <laughs> hilarious. They just jack it up like fucking curry <laughs> and they get it in like every fifth time and the fucking crowd goes and I was like, oh, oh my God. But it's like, yeah, but he's missing he's 20% most of shots, from the court. Yeah. man. <laughs> if he's lucky, we're at one out of 10, more fair. But, and my girls had a plan to pass and get it down low to the tall girls who would shoot from two feet away and score more. Hell yeah. So we would <laughs> fucking rack it up. Like I told you, they turn off the scoreboard at, at uh, 20 points, and we were dogging this one team one day. And as a coach, I'm not, all I'm doing is talking to my team. I'm like, all right, now get back on defense, arms wide. I'm, that, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about the other team and, what the score is at all. I'm just thinking about each girl and what their goal is. So we're up by like, uh, I think it was oh, 16 one day. And we just scored uh, a point and gone up by 16. I was like, all right, get back on defense, arms wide. And now these parents are getting really tired of me on the losing team. And this dad goes, starts going, you're up by 16. You know you're up by 16. And I'm ignoring him. I'm not looking. <laughs> He's like 10 feet away. <laughs> He's also near Danielle. You're up by 16. I'm not looking at him. I'm like, what does he want me to do? Tell my girls to stop playing hard? Like, Yeah, that's where sport. it gets Because you don't want to run up the score, but you like the girls got a game this weekend. You want them to be able to play the game. Yeah, exactly. Right? And you can put the, in your like B side teams or put in a couple of subs, but we had no B side. Right, <laughs> we're all good. Yeah, that's why we're winning every game because we have good girls who pass. So anyway, I'm I'm ignoring this dude, which is good of me because there's the bad map. Oh yeah, we just well, gotten I'm into it with him right away. <laughs> well, hold on, okay, hold your good. <laughs> hold your hat. <laughs> you could go to previous episodes to prepare. Yourself. Throw down your ellipses. <laughs> dot so dot he, dot. So I, I also have this recorded too, so I could back it up. But he's because I recorded the whole game, and you could hear him going, "Up by sixteen, 
you're up by 16, you know. You know, you're up by 16. Because he thinks I can't hear him. And meanwhile, Sydney steals the ball from their team and goes all the way and scores again. And I go, 18. (laughs) (laughs) That's odd. For them to not... For them to understand that, like, you're not intentionally running up the score, but it's not going to help the girls to play half-assed either. Like, you can only do so much. Like, all right, pass more. Let's, you know, like, let's let's try some of our plays now that we're up. Let's let's move so and so. Let's move. Like I said, that was two seasons ago. I'm on a team this season that like half the kids are newbies, and it is almost completely boys. And and I always say that because they don't pass to girls and that that's what bums me out but they we we get beat by 20 points i don't get angry at their team because i see well their team has boys that are bigger and play longer what what are we gonna fucking do right that's that's you can only try your best and be the best that you can be and at that level like one good player swings an entire game you know like one good person in a five-on-five kids game like like they can just absolutely dominate our last team, or our last game, our team, uh, which Sydney couldn't be there because she was playing soccer, actually, but I was still coaching the co-ed team. We lost by three to the best team in the league who we lost by to 20 before. And our, every team, every player on my team scored like two or three points, except for one or two players who never have never scored the whole uh, season. But on their team, only one player scored all their points, and they won. <laughs> he was like LeBron James. So I, I felt, and, and our team was bummed out afterwards. I'm like, guys, you guys played great. And you got, and a lot of you scored, and you all were passing and played great defense against a, a team that all the boys were bigger than you. And they beat you by 20 last time. And that one boy scored a lot. How did the rest of the boys on that team feel? Right. And that's that's the thing you like love and as a coach you want to be able to instill in the in the kids like I'm glad you guys want to win. That's a good attitude to have. It is okay to be bummed that you lost, but did you really lose? Like yeah. think about what our goals are, think about like what where we were and where we are now and like that's like that's like powerful stuff to be able to convey to a young person you know but I, but but i also we were talking about earlier about the soccer team and having the kid that does everything and are you happy about that as a parent i'm like well if it keeps them competitive but like on this team i'm talking about it, it definitely kept them competitive but it was also it was also selfish and they didn't need him to, do to keep them competitive right. they had other good uh kids on the on the team so it is a strange line but also it is when when do you start following the rules? When do you start having a winner and a loser? When do you start scoring points and yeah, you allow a team get whooped? When do you gender the teams? When do you like break up co-ed? Like that's and, those and are when all do you have a kid be on the 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 bench the whole time, like a yeah. whole game. I think in school is that immediate. We're not to that yet, but in seventh grade, I don't know about when I seventh grade sports for me. They always did. Uh, there was A, B, and C team, 
Jeez. So like if enough kids played lacrosse, you would get in as the C team. Uh, but some of us were so bad on in junior high lacrosse, we were called the Ducks, the the unofficial D team. And the coach would just be like, and the Ducks go over there and practice long passes. And we would just like mm. never really get to participate in lacrosse at all. <laughs> like just kind of me and my one buddy Sanford just throwing the fucking ball back and forth to each other for like half an hour. It's like, wow, this is much better than being home, I guess. So at what point as a parent do you go, are you righteous or not righteous to go, hey, my kid is in the seventh grade and he's on the middle school whatever team and he hasn't played in six games. Right. He just hasn't even gotten in. And what and the coach is like, uh yeah, that's sports and there's a winner and a loser and you play the game to win and I as a coach have to put in the best players. There's so there- when does that Stop. Like I, that's what I don't know say. how important like say. winning. Like I guess like I guess when you get to varsity or whatever you want to call that, I think that's when all that rides out because you might not make varsity. Like you know, you might make varsity and what, ride what, the what's bench. What's varsity? Varsity Va- in middle school? No, uh, that was in high school. We had JV and varsity. Like varsity so was technically eleven so and twelve you, graders. You can't. Because I, I think you're not you gotta considered let people... competitive until you're I think a you junior can be in comp- high school. I think you can be competitive and still make a conscious effort to give everyone minutes for a while because that's important. Like that, you're, there's com- competition, but it's still development. You know what I mean? It's not like rec league fundamentals where it's like, all right, everyone get out there. But you gotta let the bench riders get some. There's there's garbage time in every game. Throw them in, you know, like get get people out in garbage time. Like no, they, no, no one has to be out. Or that that's not necessarily true. If you if you're the team that's behind a lot, like if I if I play in, in rec league, there's rules. You have to play them a certain amount of time, so I don't yeah. have a choice in it. But if I had the choice, this last season we were behind all the time. So if I was going to try to catch up, unless we're behind by twenty. But if we're always behind by like six, right? I want, would want to have my best lineup in. Yeah, and you want to keep your best lineup in because, and this is where the objectivity <laughs> comes in because you want this kids co-ed basketball team to win because but it, they do too, John. And in right. fact, the kids do more. It's hilarious because I told you they turn off the um, the scoreboard, but they're the still winning, keeping on the track, winning team. Right? They're like. Hey, coach, the, the scoreboard's broken. What's going on? I have to explain it to him. Well, when you're up by 20. Yeah. We don't give a shit. Where's my fucking score? Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's I tough. I had to suffer being a loser last week. Let me be a winner this week. Right. It, it, it's complicated because for the reasons you're mentioning, but I also, what's the end goal here? with the team, right? Is it to get them to like basketball? Is it to get them to learn basketball? Or is it to have a great record in your fifth grade uh, travel team? <laughs> like, that's that's where I come at it from. Like, I think, you know what I mean? I like, think it don't if, mean- if, if, to answer that question, I think if you're always competitive, you don't feel totally lost, you can still have a good season and, and lose almost every game. Right, so right. As long as you're you not getting blown fun. away. Yeah. But if you're on a team where you feel like, oh, man... This is just rough. We're just getting fired on 
every man. I kind of want to coach a team like that. I want to coach a kids team that's getting demolished because I think I could bring. They need coaches. Such every rec energy. league needs every rec league needs coaches. I can't with my with this face and no kids. No one's gonna want me to coach. Like I got like van face. Like I can't. Oh, be fucking... dude, let me tell you, there are some guys in this wine. Well, I shouldn't be talking. My brother was There's a some teacher. guys who are like, oh, whose dad are you? And they're like, I'm not dad. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no practices at Coach's house. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that makes sense because there are people who have the skill set, you know what I mean? Like, and why not apply it? But that, that gets, that, that, I don't know. I would be uncomfortable. Like I, I would be fine coaching like my nephew's team. Right. Here's something I want to talk about at, about kids sports. Mm-hmm. Do you, tell me if you see this at all in your experience. The kids who are wrapped up in the sort of accoutrements around the actual sport. Like my my little nephew's in a flag football league that is like he's like seven, but it's like weirdly competitive, and like everyone takes it super seriously, and like <laughs> the kids all wear like. Nike, they have like a sweatband on their forearm. They do like the uh-huh. eye black. And it's all about like looking cool like TikTok and Instagram athletes and like like professionals, how they look when they're like and the kids are drinking like, you know, I want Gatorade. Like they all like everyone's like they're doing all the stuff that's like kind of around and they are learning the fundamentals and playing flag football and getting good and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's an element where you want to be like, but there's plenty of time down the road. But these kids are also like in seventh, seven year olds, and they're like have like a private court rack tutor come over and like, because their parents are fucking. I mean, this is also Long Island over other places too. Okay. But I feel like in LA where there's some money and some people who have connections, like you could imagine if you're like, you could hire a basketball, like a UCLA basketball kid, ex UCLA basketball coach. And you're like, at what point, like, is that too early or too much? Or like, it's, I guess, coming at it from a not a non-parent perspective, parents who are like too aggressive, it, uh, caring is one thing, but like pushing the kid, I'm not saying anyone really does this either, but that's the shit that kind of gets me. I'm like, now what, now what are we even doing? You have, you have, you have. 15 more years of, of basketball to play and this is what you're this is what it's like now in fifth grade like what does this mean going forward well that's a big question <laughs> do you see that at all uh, with like kids uh, who are like all well, ab- about the way it, they look doing it i mean that's i guess that's I, always- I don't i don't know much about the whole soccer scene i guess but but sydney i i think i'm gonna back up a little bit when we were saying kids should try everything eventually you see your kids sparked a certain stuff and some stuff they like, and they're, they're not that great at like, uh, are there not like, like, I don't know if Sydney can sing, but she likes to sing and dance, but she's not great at it. Right. As, as like, Oh, she's a natural talent. You see kids her age who are really good. You're like, Holy shit. That kid can sing or that kid can dance or whatever. She likes to draw. She loves to draw. She's really into that right now. And like cartooning. And oh, I would cool. say she's better than it than I was at that 
time, and I think I was kind of into that too. But I, I also deluded myself all the way through college that I was a better cartoonist than I was. And I had friends who were really good at it. And I could see that and go, oh, Bobby and James are much better at cartooning than I am. But I just thought, oh, well, I'm good too. I'm just the third best of this group and I'm fine with that. And that seems to be Sid's attitude too. And I love that. That's a great attitude to have because also she's, you're young enough that you could end up being good at something too. Like, you know, things change, your voice yes, drops. Yes, but-, but there's natural talents, John. And she is naturally, ta- she's funny as shit, dude. Right. She and I know I, I can like, say that from experience. Yeah. Yeah. She could be a comedian, is my right. humble opinion. And I'm not pushing her that way. No, she's just you naturally. Care about her. And you don't have, <laughs> but also with those kind of kids, like Andy Daly's kids, the same way, that they're so funny. You, you don't have to foster it, push them or push encourage. It, yeah. It's just. Being a comedian and wanting to show off is natural. It's not like, we have her in comedy classes. (laughs) But basketball was surprising. And it wasn't, I wasn't good at it. And when she was good at it, we were like, oh. And when a kid sees they're good at something, they want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because it gives them uh, self-esteem. And uh, when and when you get to the age where you start to realize when you're not good at stuff, it's like, oh, I'm not so good at dancing. Or I'm not so good at baseball. I am good at basketball. That gives me confidence, and I don't feel lost on the court, and that just snowballs. Right. And then all of a sudden she can – like once we took her to this uh, skill uh, – what a fundamentals class. I don't know how old she was, but she was young before the pandemic and this got this coach just talked to everyone like they're in high school and the age and girls like i say it's hard to get anytime there's a clinic it's like girls from third grade to fucking high school you know it's not like you'd be just to get 12 girls so he's like go down the court go between your legs go behind your back and ask her to do stuff she had never done before, you know, going behind her back in particular. I just started laughing at myself. I'm like, oh my God, what's she, what's she going to do? But then she just looks at the girl beside her doing it. She figures it out. She does it. She can't do it. She loses the ball. She does it again. She loses the ball third time. She does it. And it sparks. And you see it. That's so cool. And I think I talked about earlier, you see the skip or the hop. They start being a little lighter. They're they're visibly. You see her go. Oh, and you recognize in your own kid of like, oh, you see that little joy of, oh, she really fucking loves learning what she just loved. Yeah. Because she thought she couldn't do it. She tried again. She tried again. She could do it. Versus if she did that in gymnastics, she She still wouldn't be able to do it. She might not ever get the round off. Yeah. And no. And then that because it's not natural. Right. And so at a certain point. These kids start to obsess on their skill or whatever it is. If they are, if they are like, "Oh, I am much better, and I do enjoy this," right? And then that is when you get the option. I'm sure a lot of listeners are going, "Well, the answer is rec leagues are for fun, and travel teams are for the serious kids." And that right. that is pretty much the way it goes. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's the obvious delineation that that makes sense. And you know, kids are they're going to be like the 
more wreck kids that are on the trip. That was like me. I was like a wreck kid who was just good enough. And mostly everything for me was always social. People are like, let's, we want Gabrus on our team. Like we want <laughs> Gabrus to be on the team with us. And going back to what you said before, I think the reason I found out I was funny was because I kept being, I kept failing at all different sports. But one uh, thing that I had in common is that people always liked to have me on their team. Like, even if I was bad, it was always good. Even coaches would like be like, oh, Gabe, like, you know, r- rolling their eyes at me and shit like that. I wore number 69 in my travel soccer yes, league, and I was like that. 12 years old. <laughs> like that. That's like so fucking gross and funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I guess I never even thought about comedy as a career until the end of college. That never even occurred to me of like, oh, that skill could actually be. But you know, yeah, I was Sydney's I mean, in Hollywood. Kids that grow up in California are. Me- have, what am I talking about anywhere these days? Because of TikTok, anyone can be a star anywhere. So right, that's and not, I mean, I, I never so thought foreign. about comedy as a career either. I knew I wanted to like work in TV in some capacity. And that was just like an idea, like, you know, making something because I was like a radio TV film major, like working in TV or movies seemed like the way to go. Didn't think it would be like acting in them ever until post-college when I kept doing improv. I mean, I took level one in the summer in between junior and senior year of college when because I was doing short form in college. And that's when I first started to be like, well, I don't know if this is like a path for a career, but this is fun. Then I'll go to New York City and work in TV and keep taking these improv classes because that's fun. And I never really like thought about them being overlap until even I mean, I guess I started to feel it a little bit when you would like go to a UCB show and like know someone, know someone that was performing from TV and start to see the connection. But I was a PA on Best Week Ever and in level two with Paul Shear who was on best week ever as town. So he was teaching me improv. And then I saw kind of like, you can see the ladder. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, He's very funny in class. And like the stuff he's teaching us, you could sit down on best week ever and riff. And I was like, Oh, now I start to see like, and then like, that was a great example of like, for me being like, Oh yeah, that's how you do it. Hey, can I go back to your question about what the shallow shit the kids are into too yeah, early? Yeah. So I've I follow all these all this basketball shit through the Razorbacks and uh, football shit on Instagram. It's pretty much all I follow. Um, they have ways of teaching kids just on Instagram through these videos, or I guess YouTube, and. That's a culture I can't even imagine of like, I want to learn how to dribble behind my back. I'm going to go on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram and you can learn how to do it. So, and then branding is something that starts for sure in high school. If, if not before, if you are, if you want to go into college sports, right? So, it's it's gross because it it does seem like there's so, this is why it's gross. It's good in that they can make money off of it. The nil right. name name image likeness and that's the start of that is branding yourself in high school. How am I going to sell my image 
commercially when I get into college because I can literally make a million fucking dollars. Right. I could pay my way through college at minimum, you know, like, and then some, yeah. I can make more money than I possibly will as a rookie in a professional sport if if I, if I play it right. And some of these, right. and, And especially when it comes to women in basketball, like these women in the NCAA, are choosing to stay in till their senior year because it's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to get any more higher exposure in the WNBA, and if I can get NIL money at fucking LSU, why shouldn't I stay right. in until I'm a senior? And that's fucking great. The negative is back to team and team sport. It's like it's all about me, and it's so show that takes away from. And the there's spirit also of the game, not to be like the old man saying the the cartoonish phrase, but that pushes it, p- brings it away from the spirit of teamwork. Yeah, and there's and not everyone's making a million dollars on that team, and that's life. Not everybody on the NFL team's going to make fifty million dollars. <laughs> Just the quarterback. Right. So when do we start preparing for life? But it it is like, oh, okay. When does that start? Does that start in high school? That we start branding and it's all about me. And the sad truth is, dude, it yeah. starts when they're fucking 12 in right. these AAU leagues and getting Nike contracts. And and the way I hear it, they don't give a shit who wins the game. It's all about stats and scoring and getting to the next game. And they just like the game's over. And I've been there since been on a, a, a travel team and it's, Hers isn't this kind of serious, but I've I've witnessed these teams that play like three games and the game's over and you can't even tell the games are. I'm like, is the game over? No one went, no one's cheering. We won yeah. or great. <laughs> Interesting. You want to say congrats or good job. It's just fucking over. When's the next one? Like a where's the next pinball machine? It's uh, it's fucking uh you guys could care. It's joyless because they're like, well, what are my stats? And did I get some good video? And did we get some good clips? Right. I played for great. Instagram. Oh, that dunk was cool. Like, well, that dunk, that move was cool. Whatever. Yeah. And the coaches aren't like, we got to get the whole team out there. He, He's like, oh, that's my, this is the golden child right here. Well, this is like, I hope this kid gets drafted and buys me a sports car in eight With years. With a lot. Yeah. And, and, and of course- I'm coming from an entitled place because a lot of these people, it is going to be a meal ticket. It is going to be a right. It, it, it means whole a, it means a little more, right? And it is a job and a scholarship and getting in. Whereas with Sydney, that's we're not like you need to play basketball so you can get into college. That's just not <laughs> right. That's that's uh, exactly acknowledging that's that like we plan. can we can get Sydney into college. Like you know, like it doesn't. It's not Hopefully her only there won't way. Be college by that. Point. but yes if there's still college around oh god kids still have to go to it then yes, no it'll, she it'll, probably doesn't need a basketball scholarship but right these get it's so nasty seeing how the parents behave and the dog eat dog of it all and the the because that the starts to feel a little bit away from all. like even though that is the real the reality you feel like when you say like I think it's important for young people to play team sports, it's not to like learn that one person will be the best and you have to just kind of 
be there while they dominate. Like that, unfortunately, that is a lot what life can be like at, at too. So it is like a harsh learning lesson. But that's not what you're hoping for the experience. What Even about if you're the kids? Can I throw you an extreme opposite? The kid who only plays rec leagues, only has does just arts and crafts stuff. Doesn't do doesn't enter into win or lose situations all the way through high school and then goes to college, doesn't choose to participate because you just, you choose what you do in college. He doesn't that, do that. And then they're in life. And they've never pushed there's themselves and or never had stakes in like an event. Yeah. Like never, never, never felt failure. losing yeah. and rejection. Like you said, just trying out for the team and not getting on and, that's like getting a job or not. Like that's a serious emotion you have to go through. Right. So are they prepared for that or is it more shocking? I, I they got I mean I, I didn't know the career I was getting into was like near constant rejection was a major part of it. Like I wasn't re- <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. I mean I I wasn't aware of that, but I happened to accidentally be prepared for it cuz I still had fun when I lost, when I was the worst guy on the basketball team, when I was the lacrosse goalie, as scary as that was, I still had fun being on the team and going on the bus and, and practicing. So like, I felt that like I was still getting stuff out of it. Like I clearly was okay with sucking and losing. And I think that's what made me, I'm always down to try new shit. And I think that's why like improv excites me too. Cause you also just don't know the outcome. Like there's always a chance of failure in a, in a fun way. Like there's something appealing about like, all right, I'm going to my first roller hockey practice. I'm barely good at skating. Here we go. All right. I'm stepping out on stage. I don't know who this Bill Burr character is, but I hope he fucking can handle a little <laughs> yes. Anding. <laughs> it's Bill Burr's first improv class too. Yeah. We're both in one one together. Lucky teacher. <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking this. My manager told me to. Uh, Vanessa Bayer was in my 101, and I didn't, we didn't know. We, we never knew that. Shannon O'Neill like eventually looked it up for us. I had no clue that she she like she was like, yeah, I took level one at UCB, and sh- Shannon was like, when? And she's like, do you remember anyone? She's like, there was like this. I guess this is through Spo, so maybe it's apocryphal. But Vanessa was like, there was like this guy who was like a lifeguard and he always had flip flops and like board shorts on and he had blonde hair. He had bleached blonde hair and he was like really obnoxious, but pr- kind of funny. And I was like, and Shannon's like, I'm going to look this up in the, in the, in the records, but I'm pretty sure that's John Gamers like immediately. And that was me at 21 years old commuting into fucking uh, 23rd street. Hey, you know, it's, the topic is children's sports, but you, you, you talk, we talk about trying stuff, trying a lot of stuff, failing, understanding you're failing, and then seeing that one thing that you're like, hey, I don't fail as much at this one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should focus on it more, but often... You don't know what that is until you try it. Like, I didn't start playing guitar. Not that I'm good at it now, but if I find joy in it. And I didn't start until the Walk Hard movie. And if if Judd hadn't made me do that, I never would have ever picked up an instrument again. And now you enjoy playing the guitar. I've seen you do it as part of comedy I enjoy shows. Enjoy the yeah. fuck out of it. It's improved my life. 
just uh, emotionally. And you would just never, and, never even tried to do it because it seems unattainable in a way, but. I was made to do it as a child by my mother. I took guitar lessons and hated it. Oh, we that'll did do scales it. and row, row, row your boat. Um, I'm sure other guitar teachers could have been more inspiring, but. Why does it have to be children? I guess what I'm getting to. It's just like everyone should just keep trying fucking new and weird shit, even if it seems like you'll fail. Because maybe one of those things you're like, hey, I'm actually the best one in class. Yeah. <laughs> or and and it, there's an element to life where you don't necessarily need to be good at something to really get something out of it, yeah. like to enjoy it, like just to be able to pull it off. Yeah. Having like I did that crazy relay race from Mount Hood to the coast. I'm not mm -hmm. a runner. I hate running. I always used to say, I don't want to run unless I have a ball or I'm chasing someone who has a ball. And now I did this like thing that was just straight up running. And the accomplishment of it is unreal. And I I, I was going to bring- best. Yeah. I was going to bring this up earlier when you mentioned uh, Sid learning the behind the back dribble. Like, I don't know what- I I feel like I tell this to a lot of people too. And it's just, it's so stupid and simple and obvious. But to me- Running is something that, like, you're like, I can't run one mile. And then you try four times, and the fifth time, you can. And then you're like, well, can maybe I can run one and a half miles. You're like, well, not these three times. But then the fourth time, then all of a sudden, you're like, well, can I run? And then you're like, I used to think I couldn't run one mile. Now I'm running six miles because it's just adding a little more time, a, a little more mileage. And, like, it's so basic. Uh, incremental progression is what we call it in the powerlifting world and the bodybuilding <laughs> world. But like it makes total sense. And you're like, oh, and now I'm no not good at running at all by any running standard. But for me, the fact that I could jog three miles without stopping if I had to right now is crazy to me. And I that gives me that hop, that skip that you referenced. So in any solo sport, you could that just you can find your personal best or even just the ability to do it. Just the ability to just, I can scuba dive or right. I can repel. Right. Uh, it gets the to be binary. to learn to it's do yes it. yes or no. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to be the best scuba diver, the best repeller. Right. But no. then there's, uh, and I can play intramural soccer and I can find my level. I can play tennis. You have to find your level. Yeah. Like, it's no fun playing someone better or worse and you got to find your level. But hold on. Do we use sports metaphors? I, every time I'm arguing, John, especially like an improv point, I always use sports metaphors. And then later I'm like, should I not use a sports metaphor? Because sports and arts are not the same. No. So not. if if I doing exactly what we're talking about, so it's like, okay, well, I want to be a stand-up comedian and I'll do it incrementally and I'll do it five minutes every open mic. Yeah you won't necessarily be running a mile. Yeah, well, the thing about, that's where we get into subjectivity and objectivity. Like, I yeah, shot the ball is and, went in, and went in the hoop. That yes. is two points. The mile I told the joke, took me seven minutes to run. Yeah, exactly. I, I Even without the minutes on it, you could just say, like, I left, I ran a half mile away, yes, and I came I back a half mile. mile. Yeah, that's a mile. Uh, but you can go up there and go, I did do five minutes of comedy. But it's not a binary like some of these sports things are of like you did it or you didn't do it. Like Yeah. And other people may say, That was comedy. You're just 
saying right. facts or telling your day. Because I could technically sit down and draw. I like to draw, yes. but I'm very, very bad at it. It doesn't look like anything I want. It doesn't even come out the way <laughs> I want it to. But I do still enjoy it sometimes. And drawing, can, and these are different arts too, because drawing, can you can draw in the woods and no one ever, a tree can fall in the woods, but comedy, yeah. you can't do stand-up. It doesn't count in your bedroom. Right, it requires and improv an audience. Yeah. doesn't count in your basement, really. So... It, and you can, right, go, you can well, paint my a million improv paintings. team went up and we had a great time. Were we as good as that team on Saturday? No, I can I know we weren't, but I don't care. We had a good time. Yeah. That works. That works. We bombed, but I had a good time. Hmm. Mm, did the whole team have a good time? That's the <laughs> I feel like did the audience Well, that's when you get to something that requires an audience, that starts to change too because like if you're if your intramural volleyball team sucks, but you have fun out there playing. You're not, like it's not required a, a reaction. Like if you were a painter or a sculptor, you could do that all in your house, right? But if you're a playwright, you okay, gotta. If I said to you, if I got up. introduced to you at a party, you'd know me. I said I'm a baseball player. <laughs> no, no, I'd say I'm a. Let's get in the, somewhat real. Real. This is Matt. He's a tennis player. You would think, what would you think? You'd think, well, I haven't seen him on TV, so he must be like one of those guys in like the 300s. Like he's right, he's yeah, ranked, or be like, but you never maybe he's like a t tennis pro, but calls himself a play, like he coaches tennis. <laughs> Even like... that would be obnoxious, right? But that's what a player, yeah. And then yeah. it's like, <laughs> but, but you can't say you said, you're a I'm comedian. a stand up comedian, <laughs> no one blinks. If I've all I've done is bombed, right? Oh, that interesting. Because it is weirdly like a state of mind. It's like a proclamation. It feels like you should have to uh, make people laugh. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you declare yourself. Well, there's weirdly the binary of comedy. Like, yes. did people. Well, I would say. And drama doesn't even have that. Yes, yeah. I'm a great actor. I've done 20 plays. Well, you, you know, could like, have I'm... sucked in every one of them. But if you've done a play in front of an audience, that, that's made you, you've acted. If yeah, you're like, that's true. What they hated you and you suck though. Because in comedy, if it was a comedy, bad. you would know. Right, right. You acted in the poorly. drama, you wouldn't know. You'd be like, oh, I don't know. Or they seem mad afterwards. Drama. <laughs> I feel like you might know. <laughs> I feel like if you're, know. although if you're a really bad dramatic actor acting in a play, you might not have like the self awareness to notice. Like you might yeah, not. <laughs> it's like that movie, The Room. There's yeah. got to be that all over. LA but comedy don't lie that's what's great about it and yeah, also, you when, you're, also when you're feeling down like when you feel like uh the rest of my team doesn't think I'm funny or I don't think I'm funny like the next audience will tell you when we're in right where they, they we agree <laughs> like you are yeah, we agree or no you actually are funny and then you go oh fuck Fox for not putting me on their pilot <laughs> yeah dude I mean I, th I talk about live comedy in reference to a career in Hollywood all the time in that it's the saving grace of like, I am good at that. Like early on in my career, Tiffany would be like, I'd, we'd be watching something. I'd be like, I auditioned for this and <laughs> this guy got it. And she's like, he's not, you're so much funnier than him. And I go, yeah, but that's not what Hollywood is looking for. It's a complicated sauce of what they're looking for. I love when comedic actors... And they're not. And you notice I don't say comedians because uh, yeah. we we 
we do comedic acting, but we're comedians. Yeah, we and create when I see our a own comedic comedy. actor yeah. on like a show, like at South by Southwest or some festival or something, and th- they'll just stick like this guy's in a sitcom, so we're gonna put him on the show. Like all he has to do is walk up to the mic and wave. Everyone's gonna go nuts. But they in the green room, you can always tell they feel a certain anxiety. If I'm gonna generalize, right? Yeah. Of, uh, well, I'm a funny guy too. Yeah, I'm as funny as you guys. Right. That's the that's the subtext, listeners, and I'm not making that up. That, that no, that's that's, that's a certain for vibe. real. And I also like when you meet some of those people, and you they're like, they don't know who. I'm going to use me specifically, but I feel like this could be a little universal for more people. I run into these people. They don't know who I am per se, but I know who they are. Yeah. And they're like, I'm funny because I'm, I've booked and busy and you know me from all this stuff. And then we're hanging out and I'm being so fucking funny. And they're like, I could see it in their face. Like, okay, all right. I'm going to text you with who one of these people are as soon as we get off here. I got a couple in my mind too, and I love getting on stage and killing, and them not being able to follow me. That that's the best thing in show business. Where you're like, well, I'm gonna make it with this guy. It's gonna wish he wasn't on this show. Yeah, fame can juice you up and give and give you some help. You get graded on a curve, but it can't whole create laughter. Like I think you can't, Seinfeld like- says in that in that documentary of his, it'll give you like two minutes. Like the fame will give you two minutes, and after that, you got to say something funny. After that, you need jokes. Yeah, <laughs> that's comedian, the one with him and Orny Adams. Yeah, yeah I, love I haven't that seen that in forever. I haven't. I either, loved it. I loved it, it at the it. time. Uh, so awesome. Speaking of uh, creating our own comedy, Matt Besser. Yeah. Uh, tell tell my listeners a little bit about the new. Uh, this will come out in like October at some point. Let let them know about the new Improv for Humans uh, setup and what's going on over there. Great. Well, October, get get tickets to live at the Ice House Improv for Humans. Uh, we've done a couple of great shows there. We're doing one on October 28th. But improvforhumans.com, we have our own platform now, no longer on Earwolf, going solo, and have our own... Uh, pay, it's called Memberful. Brett says no one knows what Memberful is, so I should stop saying that. But it's like Patreon. It's our own. <laughs> what's the general word? Our, our own paywall that we have. Um, yeah, I don't shows. know what. I don't know. There should be a word like the way Q-tip is like a cotton swab, you know, like mm-hmm. or rollerblades or inline skates. Like Patreon, like kind of gobbled up that. Like, oh, it's yes, like Patreon. Exactly. They're the Xerox. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but yeah, oh, that's. I, I mean, I, I've been I've been casually uh, and uh, highfalutinly calling that stuff digital vaudeville because it's like your it's like your little gag packet that you carry yeah. from like club to club with your props and your gimmicks. But it's people come to you and see what you do there. I fucking love that, and we have improv for humans without the the ads, of course. But we also have my Professor Besser feed where I get go down deep on improv deep dive in on improv just the skill of it and oh cool like i break i break down improv for humans scenes for instance i had a request for for fat crackers from the trilogy i said narrow it down i'll do that but like <laughs> i'll take a scene and go this is what they're doing here this is how they're initiating this is how they're heightening this is how they're exploring this is why you might find this funny in in a di- like it's not just because 
the word choice, but because of yeah, that's cool. So I think that helps. I think that helps people improvise to to hear that it's not just random people going. Now I'm going to say something funny because I think that is how people think. When you start to be able to it. see that as a viewer or a listener, however you want to phrase it. Uh, an a, a audience member on improv once you start to be able to see that that's when you know you're getting it a little bit when you're like no 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 what neil casey did there was not just funny because he has an interesting voice and that was a funny uh predicate or specific at the end of the sentence he the move he made brings like he's playing yeah, in the, you know I, I wonder through osmosis there's over 600 improv for humans episodes like for someone who's never taken a class could they just out of just listening to a hundred episodes and just hearing the patterns of improv, get it like hear how a story gets broken down, how initiation comes out of that story. It could, it is one of those art forms that you need to do in order to like really learn like, but I do think you could probably get something for, if you took your time to go like, what did I find funny about that? Not like, you know, I mean like, People will be like, everything Colton Dunn says is funny. And that is true. But why do you find everything that Colton Dunn says funny? Like, that's like the, that's what yeah, you have to like. And what order is he saying it? And why is he yeah. saying it in that order? And why did this? And then when you're, if you're a listener and you're, you know, you're like you're t discussing, you'd have to go, why is this response here funnier than a couple of lines ago? A and it's from the same character in the same world. Why do I like this one more? And then you have to like, think on it and go like oh it's playing the game harder or oh it was everyone was playing the game really hard and this slightly tweaked it but i see what they were like what about it made you like it like i think that what i'm finding is i'm because the first request or one of the first requests was for this scene that paul russ did and it was such a paul russ scene it was a it's called Tom Petty's beard and the scene Tom Petty's beard just falls off according to paul Rust's character <laughs> and it's such a crazy move at that point in the scene and how we justified it and what that became it kind of became like an epic scene on improv for humans that the listeners know just because it's so uniquely paul rust right and there's so many scenes that are uniquely john gabrus because you're putting your own sauce on it so i like to kind of examine like what is what is it they do and uh why why do we love it and uh like you could criticize silliness which but also but it's also so awesome with certain people like right, certain people are silly and i hate it and there's certain people are silly and i love it and it's like why is that well because they're are, playing silly within the framework in a way yeah, that works how are they doing yeah. that that makes it good versus trying to wreck the show and undermine it we can text about those names too <laughs> No, we already have. <laughs> where so where are uh people go to improvforhumans.com? That's yeah. where the, that's the member for Yeah, only there. $40 for a whole year. Oh. $4 a month, $40 for a whole year. Oh, hell yeah. Get it's on Improv for Humans. Get it? Nice. And Professor Besser, that sounds fun. Are you doing also uh breaking down like uh comedy pieces that you really liked and stuff outside of improv on that yes i invite you to greatest comedy of all time i uh i send a list of four uh things that i think i say things i don't want to narrow it down but like uh i did one with steve ag and he picked norman feld's smile 
when he broke the fourth wall in Three is Company is one of the greatest comedy moments of oh, all time. Interesting. I and like we really that. analyzed it and how much he did it and how we how it evolved. Oh, cool. I like that. Through the seasons. Because at first it was like organic and natural and it became something the audience wanted and they had a special camera for it. It was fucking bizarre. Oh, that's awesome. I, I you know, I do want to come on to that too. I, I got a lot to talk about there. Yeah. And I got another sh- show where I've digitized all these old VHS tapes of comedy from the, the alt scene in the 90s. Some of the stuff from like, holy shit, I forgot about this. Holy shit, I used to be skinny. <laughs> hey that's what I, that's where i lucked out never skinny dog <laughs> although i do look back look at old pictures of myself and be like i can't believe i was like thinking i was fat then i didn't even nah. i didn't even know what was possible <laughs> the sky's the limit dog uh improvforhumans.com check out matt besser's shit please and while if you're getting involved in the paywalled action get on actionboys.biz as well uh we're doing new stuff over there. I got a new tier. We're uh, gonna be. We have some free episodes at free.actionboys.biz. So check them out there, and uh, keep your eyes peeled for some upcoming live dates from your boy. I'll be posting them on social media. You know that. <laughs> I guess if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you also follow me on social media. But I'll plug it officially when I when I get some dates and times. Bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. (laughs) It's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. (laughs) Now... Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to like see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. (laughs) It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Well, there's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. There's a new game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. <laughs> what? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room <laughs> Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.